Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Haro inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. The big week U.S. Open tennis starts. We'll all cover that over the next couple of weeks. NFL football, college football, Premier League, NHL and NBA camps just thinking about starting. Baseball heating up. Not only North America, around the world. It is time for deal-making issues 3-1. to one. Three. The German Football Association and Trackman adds a partnership for ball-striking metrics and player development. And the German Football Association is not the last one. It is of many, known overseas as DFB Academy. The organization vetted Trackman's ball-striking metrics with its men's senior national team, and they succeeded. Trackman being able to circulate real-time spin access, spin rate, launch angle, flight time, speed of a soccer ball company coupled that data with analytics such as wall height, goalkeeper coverage, scoring opportunity to help the men's senior national team improve performance. As recently as last February, Trackman had introduced the same soccer ball flight technology product to the Danish Superliga club for insights on other aspects of the game, such as free kicks and penalties. Not only one club there, but many and it clearly seems to be moving in the right direction. Two. The Monaco Protocol provides the foundation for Web3 sports betting applications. The open source project features BetDex as a key contributor. The protocol, fully decentralized, open sourced, and permissionless, allows third parties to build their own applications and innovate on top of the platform. Protocol is now live on the Solana DevNet and available for developers to build complementary products and tools. The BetDex Exchange, which currently supports sports wagers on soccer and plans to introduce additional sports in the near future, among the first projects to launch on the Monaco Protocol. Community members from the popular Solana project are set to build themed prediction markers for crypto-related events and markers, markets on the Monaco Protocol, clearly moving well ahead on the technical side, one. number one, look at FanDuel. They're preparing to launch their cable network focused on sports betting. Kay Adams ready to roll the dice on a new opportunity. The former NFL Network host launching a new morning program rely heavily on chatter about betting. She might talk over and under about other things as well, but also stands ready to mix it up with knowledgeable guests and experts on odds and wagering on upcoming sports games. And her new show serves as a signature offering of FanDuel TV, the launch of which represents the first foray by one of the industry's major legalized sportsbook operators into the media business. FanDuel launches, launches its network amid a push to legalize certain types of gambling across the nation. The market for legal sports betting, grown from $4.3 billion in 2021, get this, $19.7 billion five years later in 2026, it is projected according to estimates from Ellers and Krecek, the marketing research firm. And that even may be an underestimate. We'll just have to see. Well, 
one of the people who has been on top of this for a long time, CMO of FanDuel, the marketing side of the business, but now the chief commercial officer. Obviously, it's not lost that the marketing piece is so important to revenue. Mike Raffensperger, and he's been involved in a number of formative, formative efforts, the uh, Pentech Venture Capital Fund, other originally founding entities with Nigel Eccles involved in July of 2009, obviously with Flutter and other entities he'll talk about, explaining the evolution of FanDuel. Who'd have thought a few years ago that the pesky ads we saw morphed this into a multi-billion dollar business, one of the fastest growing, not only uh, in America, but, but clearly around the world. He's been involved as a head marketing guy at Amazon, uh, Direct TV, uh, other uh, folks clearly have the uh, experience, but nobody with the experience and perspective that we have today, and certainly with FanDuel making a considerable bit of noise in the space, it is really appropriate to coincide with the beginning of football season. Here's Mike Raffensperger. You came to this evolving landscape with some really significant experience all over the internet, digital, media, etc. How did that prepare you for what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, I was. I guess it would be twofold. DirecTV is a really interesting business in a lot of ways, share some fundamentals with sports betting in that for DirecTV, it was a sports-led brand. The fact that we had an exclusive NFL relationship with the Sunday ticket package was sort of a lot of the construct of the way we went to market. Also, fundamentally, it's a unit economic business. We have a cost of customer acquisition, and there's a lifetime value of that customer it needs to pay back. We need to manage churn and fight off competitors. So a lot of the kind of core nuts and bolts of the business felt very similarly. And at Amazon, I was part of an entrepreneurial group um, in their advertising unit pairing online video and e-commerce. And so it was... What's it mean to take some a nascent platform that really didn't exist and grow it up to have millions and millions of users? And so try to combine those two to what we're doing now, Fandle. Cutting edge, cutting edge, and now cutting edge. So the it, it's uh, for visionaries, it, it's hard work to not only conceptualize, but also to develop consensus around respective visions. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and but also tell us how uh, that's come to, uh, to, to the fore as far as FanDuel, you know, your kind of day-to-day. -day. Look, I, I feel really fortunate. I get to work with really smart, really ambitious, really, um, I think, forward-thinking people. Yeah. We've gotten lucky as a leadership team to gel, I think, pretty quickly around um, a real shared vision of how we bring really great quality, technology-first user experiences into sports betting. In a lot of ways, like, it... It has felt wildly overdue, as you suggest, the PASPA decision a, a few years ago is really what, what opened it up. But it is not new that people want to do commerce on their phones. They're already ordering shoes, ordering their groceries, right. ordering literally everything at Amazon. Yeah. So the fact that they want to play sports bets on their phones is not um, entirely unusual. And we try to approach it very much from a, we're a technology company in our DNA. So thinking about user experience, thinking about the product, and that's that's how we want to win. It's why we've been very fortunate to be the number one online sports book in the country, and I think that that philosophy has helped get us there. Well, and it's a per it, this is not to suggest there's any luck to it, but the philosophy is that your vision, when it's met with a perfect storm, 
then the sky is the limit to mix, you know, 48,000 metaphors. When I was doing my NFL work on stadium development, I was told very specifically by the two commissioners, stay away from, you got to build public-private partnerships and consensus, but stay away from gaming, stay away from Indian land, stay away from, fi uh, from fantasy, stay away from anything that reeks of risk. <laughs> and now look at it, if you don't do it, you're leaving significant money on the table. Uh, and, and everybody always said they were always for it. How, how did the... Uh, the epiphany didn't just happen with the Supreme Court decision. It was a gradual but 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 consistent evolution. Yeah, that's definitely true, and it's true from a regulatory front standpoint, which is kind of the the starting gun, if we yeah. will, of where a state comes online. And then it's also been an evolution with the leagues, with our media partners, and how do we start integrating into the fabric of sports? You know, we literally just this past NFL season was the first time the NFL took official sports betting partners on. FanDuel's really privileged to be the official sports book yeah. of the NFL, but we've done so with the NBA, we've done so with the NHL, we have a partnership with MLGB, the PGA, others. And so it's just, you know, something that as it continues to roll out state by state becomes more and more commonplace, again, in, in the fabric of sports culture in general. You'll just see more and more of those partnerships evolve and getting us more involved again um, at sports at large. It's hard to imagine, I assume, that the Nigel Eccles founding effectively in 2009 and the first million two leads to uh, 11 million, then 70 million, then uh, 275 million. You're way beyond series A, B, C, D, and E and more. And then the flutter perfect storm at about the same time, the Supreme Court decision as well. Uh, you've been in, with, again, Amazon DirecTV, but the prolific vision, staffing, epiphany, go to the next step. Is it unique? Is it something you've never, is this, is this kind of the biggest growth experience you've seen? Uh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this has been, uh, FanDuel has been the most rewarding professional experience of my life. It's been really wild to watch, you know, a company that has built, uh, built a really good foundation of the business, right. you know, daily fantasy sports, association with real money gaming for a decade. And then I think that did, to borrow your language, you know, uh, luck met opportunity, um, and so we were at the right place at the right time. But I think subsequently, it's just been a incredibly. Um, it continues to def to exceed our expectations in terms of consumer appetite. Yeah. Each state we open up feels like it adopts sports betting faster than the last, and you know, from a competitive standpoint, has gotten extremely competitive. But again, I think the fact that Vandal approaches from a technology and sort of. Uh, best product and best consumer experience uh, orientation first. The history we have with a database of 13 million fantasy sports players, um, all has just led us to kind of help be the number one in the space. And let's be really clear, the luck thing was uh, just kind of a metaphorical thing. There is very little luck in that whole experience. We've there. worked just, very hard. Yes, you really have. Hard. So the goal, you know, some people are saying that FanDuel occupies, what, about 45% of the overall market? Is that right? Yeah, a well, little. What, what's wrong? What's, why not? Where's the other 55%? Well, yeah, why not 75? <laughs> you sound like my boss, Rick. Uh, yeah, where's the, other, where's the other 45? Yeah. You know, look, I would say we're thrilled to be the number one sports yeah. better, uh, sports book uh, operator in the uh, online sports betting market, probably about 42%, something along those lines. Um, but we're... Uh, Every given Sunday, we got to keep winning it. Um, it's a highly competitive space. Uh, people obviously can use multiple sports books. Each new state that opens up is literally a brand new market, and so we try to keep ourselves humble but hungry uh, okay. is a principle that we we operate under, and I think that's served us well to date. Well, and also it's when you see some of your uh, quotes that we now see prolifically all over the world, uh, one of the things that I noticed is the goal is to become the next 
iconic sports brand in America. What I didn't see in there is iconic sports betting brand in America. Your vision is fantastic as far as mainstream sports. It's not really uh, inappropriate risk. It's another form of entertainment. Yeah. Right. Look, and that's the way we see it. Sports betting should be fun. It's part of your entertainment wallet. We take things like responsible gaming really yeah. seriously and the way we rolled out this industry, not just for the next month, the next quarter, the next year, yeah. but the next decade. And so doing that in a way that builds us and sets us up for the long term. But um, yeah, I want to be an iconic sports brand. I also talk about I want to be the American sports book of record, and I think you're starting to see that shift where in everyday language, a lot of people around the country say Vegas has the line at X or Vegas has the odds at Y. I want to start saying FanDuel has the line at X or yeah. FanDuel has the odds at Y because we're, you know, frankly, a lot more approachable than taking an uh, airplane ride to the desert, yeah. uh, and so I think we got a good shot. One of the beauties of the sports grid relationship that I've engaged with Lou Mayon is when he talks about what he's trying to do to CNBC and others, he says that he believes uh, that uh, that entity is the CNBC for sports, fantasy, and gaming. Now, from my perspective, there is an opportunity to generate significant revenue if you are only in the gaming space. But if you treat the world as information to make more informed gaming choices, like stock choices, then the sky's the limit, isn't it? It is. And look, you see, sports betting hasn't just benefited companies like mine, which are yeah. operators, but they've benefited SportsGrid, they've yeah. benefited media companies, they've benefited the leagues, they've benefited the teams. This yeah. is just something that is capturing people's attention. Yes, it's capturing their dollars, but it's time and it's entertainment. And that gives great companies like SportsGrid and others a platform to build a new media editorial angle, new talent, new personalities, and things to talk about that people don't just want to engage when they're betting with us. They want to engage with what their bets mean and yeah. what the experts think and how the line is moved. And um, I think it's just creating a lot of opportunity and a lot of industry. A, a billion plus legal sports bet, according to Play USA opportunities, uh, 30 states, about 170 million people just for the Super Bowl alone. I suspect that's a little underreported, <laughs> don't you think? Because that's the legal, but that's also the uh, predicted. And you, you're, you're always over prediction. I would simply say this will unequivocally be the Super Bowl coming up here, will unequivocally be the largest sports betting event in American history. Uh, and we very consistently just see year-on-year -year growth, not only because new states are coming online, which yeah. obviously creates a growth vector, but even in the more established states, places like New Jersey, right. which was the first to legislate, <coughs> legislate regulate, and um, online gaming, continues to grow year-on-year. Uh, -year. And so we think, you know, it feels uh, in some ways like it's been around for a while, but it's really only been three and a half, four right. years. That's a very, very nascent industry. We're very much still at the top of the first, top of the second inning of sports betting in America. NFL values, it is kind of interesting. We're celebrating the business. It's the NFL, and you see the Forbes $3.5 billion number and the 14% increase in franchise valuation over the year before, notwithstanding a 20% reduction in revenue because of COVID. Why? gaming, you'll say it, we'll say it, it's a tide that's uh, increasing the floating of all boats, to mix a metaphor, isn't it? Big deal. Yeah, look, it matters a lot because we are, one, we're direct partners yeah. with the leagues, we're direct partners with the team, so we're a revenue source ourselves, but also, again, like I said earlier, this is just an engagement platform that yeah. makes people um, stickier uh, consumers of sports. Nielsen released a report pretty recently where they looked at the average rating uh, of a household that had a better in it and the average rating of a household for NFL that did not have a better in it. And the better households watched 24% more football. Um, yeah. And these are just not 
uncommon stats and in some ways I think may even be underreported. And that carries through across all sports. And so as you see sports betting and sports gaming become you know, more and more pervasive across the United States and more and more um, uh, penetrated as an industry among sports fans, I do think you'll see it lift uh, the fortunes of sports at large. Um, evaluate this stat, then we're going to talk about a couple other specific issues. When we look at the New York press information about the you know billion dollars generated over a three-week period in January, they talk about 90% being new betters, new accounts during the first month. I don't know if that's because they shifted accounts or whatever. The bottom line is there's a lot of people who've never bet before and are now feeling comfortable doing it. Uh, there's certainly a lot, more than you would expect, even in the early yeah. days of people who have literally never placed a sports bet before ever in their life. You also have a lot of people who are opening up their first legal account. They may have had other means of betting oh, in the past with those means. offshore gray yeah, market. Right, right, you know, that right, was right. obviously a very pervasive marketplace and one of the reasons that I feel so strongly uh, yeah. that we should legalize online sports betting is because not only do companies like FanDuel have better product, better experience, right. better promotions, but you know we take things like knowing our customer's identity, keeping underage gamblers from playing responsible gaming, other things seriously. We pay tax revenue to the state. You know These other sources don't. And so I'm always very, very happy to see a lot of new people, whether they're new to sports betting in general or simply new to the legal marketplace, joining our sports book. Let's talk about a couple other issues that are relevant to your growth plans. So. Um, LSU does a big deal, Michigan State does a big deal, Colorado, and all about the uh, colleges getting directly involved in the gaming industry. There are age issues, there are control issues. Mm. How do you generally feel about that? That's a great question. Um, I, I think we should approach as an industry very cautiously yeah. with college. Yeah. I think that we need to recognize that the athletes are students and are hmm. underage. Um, and that while, you know, it's fantastic to be offering to alumni and consumers the ability to bet on college sports, you know, getting directly involved in the sponsorship of collegiate athletics, I think, regardless of the optics of it, which may not be great, I just think we have to be really thoughtful, and I'm not sure that that is the first place um, that I would be looking to spend marketing dollars. That, that's, a, that's a very important statement from the marketing director of the largest gaming company in, 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 the, in the world, effectively one of the largest gaming companies in the world. What about the offshoot, the, the NIL uh, issue? The care needs to be uh, shown as to the eighth grader who may now have a larger pool of sponsorship opportunities if he's good because there are gaming companies that want to hook into these folks. Got to be careful there too, right? Yeah, again, I, I think we just need to be yeah. extremely responsible in the way we introduce a completely new industry right. to the United States. And so, you know, name and likeness uh, rights of underage individuals don't seem like an appropriate place for a betting company to be involved. What about uh, in-facility uh, stuff, the things that are happening in Arizona, obviously the Capital One Arena, everywhere in Europe? How long is it going to take before we have the uh, betting uh, capabilities at kiosks, not on the phone, at all these facilities? So look, we have self-service betting tournaments um, all over the United States yeah. now. Most of our sports books, whether that's the uh, right outside the Meadowlands uh, racetrack across yeah. the street from uh, where the Jets and the Giants play at MetLife, uh, we think is the biggest retail sports book in the world, has something like um, 65 different individual self-service betting tournaments. We have those again in our sports books um, all over. Uh, you know, this is really a regulatory question. Um, you know. People talk about sports bars, Think of people yeah. talk about um, venues where the teams play. I think we'd be very interested in what that looks like, but ultimately we need to do it in conjunction with state regulatory bodies and do it in the right way. Sure you do, but as an adjunct to a core entertainment experience, 
it sounds like it's compatible if done the right way. It could be totally compatible, and also just it's great, again, entertainment experiences. A yeah. sports book can be a great place for what is essentially an entertainment district. All of these sporting venues are entertainment districts. Yeah, Whether they have a game night going or even on the nights they don't, having ways to have foot traffic, great experiences, food, drinks, places to spend some time, um, you know, can make a lot of sense. As far as the potential, it's up. But I, I, and I know what you're going to say to the question, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway, and it's not you, it's the politicians. So we're now at 30, well, maybe at 38. We'll be sitting here next year, and we may be at 42 or 43 states. How do state legislators look their constituents in the eye and say, in Florida, we just lost the billion dollars we could have collected and spent on infrastructure because of X? Um, <laughs> I know there's another way to say it, but yeah, you know where I'm going. You know, look, what I would simply say is what we have found fairly universally is that sports betting legalization is common sense legislation. Yeah. These are things that constituents overwhelmingly want. It is a fantastic opportunity to pull new tax revenue into the state. And frankly, this is an industry that exists whether you legalize it or not. It's just going into these gray and black market sources that aren't good for consumers. And so putting responsible legislation in place, partnering with companies like FanDuel to yeah. do this the right way, puts those illegal operators out of business. And so uh, I would simply describe, at least from my perspective, uh, that sports betting is pretty common sense legislation. Well, and, and also you are l l legitimately, it's not a secret, spending some significant dollars to bring that issue to the attention of people who need to make uh, appropriate decisions on that. And you meet people like the... Uh, uh, folks with franchises in Kansas City and saying, you know, we're losing money to Iowa. When you say that you're losing money in Iowa, it's time to really suck it up and step up there. But the, the bottom line is that over time, the inevitability ought to mean that the contiguous states uh, understand and just like New York did, expedite. Yeah, look, I think over time, you will see the majority of the United States have le legal online sports betting. It's just a matter of when. What about distribution? Just one more, you know, media question. Uh, there are a lot of companies out there that are creating their own content, and content drives to uh, action. You have your own celebrities and media personalities. But it, it, I guess it's true if there's vertical integration, and if this is another lifting of all boats, people comfortable with information that will help them be responsible gamblers, that does help everybody. It definitely does. And, I mean, again, this is something we take really seriously at our company, not just mm -hmm. in the way we, you know, treat our own customers. We have actually a hundred dedicated employees in risk and compliance, including mm -hmm. a team of data engineers that are building play pattern recognition where if someone's having anomalous betting behavior right. or they might be getting over their skis, we take appropriate action. We've built a suite of self-service tools where our customers can go in and place limits on the amount they deposit, the amount they bet, the amount of time they spend on our apps. By the way, we built those open source so any of our competitors right. can take our tools, put them in their sports book. Um, we have a lot of future, and that's not enough, by the way, that's the beginning. We have a lot of plans as we go forward on how we create content, communications, and put the right messages out there so that, again, people keep sports betting the way it should be, uh, which is fun and entertainment, and that's what we want it to be. Just parenthetically, a couple more. You've got a situation where uh, most of the executives that I, I, I've talked about, even in the single, I mean, tennis and golf, for example, mm -hmm. you would expect them to think that the integrity issues uh, are, are driving a lot of negatives. On the contrary, because it is so transparent, because people are dealing with it, even at the lower level of the tennis uh, early turn, or early rounds where it affects everybody, 
it, it seems to be, it's not much to do about nothing, but they're pleasantly surprised over the last couple of years. I assume that's not a surprise to you. It's not a surprise to me. Again, I mean, we work really tightly with regulators. Every bet we take is an approved market yeah. of a sanctioned, officiated game. And again, I'll just say it again, hmm. just because it's not a legal market does not mean the market does not exist. Yeah. And so I would far rather be dealing with, you know, integrity issues, which I don't really become at a professional athletic uh, capacity, uh, an issue that we've encountered much of. You know, doing so in the open through a regulated and legal sports book is a far better way of doing it. Um, What's your biggest challenge, and what are you most worried about? You know, look, I, I would say we have been very fortunate to build the number one sports book in America. Um, I'm very eager to keep uh, that number one spot. And so it is a very competitive market. Um, you know, my challenge is in continuing to run the best sports book. Um, and in that number one position and doing so in a way that's a good steward of the business over a long period of time, I feel really thrilled about where our business stands. We have the most efficient cost per acquisition in the category. We have higher lifetime values than anybody else in the category. It's because we have a better product. Uh, and so continuing to manage our business, steward it for the long term, um, that's driving a creative value into our shareholders, but at the same time being aggressive to win what is one of the most attractive and nascent marketplaces in the United States. Finally, where what are you and the company doing in five years? <laughs> oh, I think I'll be sitting here with you at <laughs> yeah. Super Bowl 61. Right, with a $900 trillion. Yeah, something like that. Business. Maybe a bigger budget. Yeah, some, uh, five years. Bigger budget, but sitting here with you, Rick. How about that? That's a wonderful idea. And um, I, uh, I really do appreciate your time, your vision, my sincere ongoing condolences about the Giants, but I really appreciate our time together. Uh, thank you for having me. That was fun. Obviously, we're going to hear a lot more from Mike in the future, a lot more from the company, a lot more from the industry. Look at the Tech Minute, genius sports, overseeing Bally's interactive sports betting and daily fantasy uh, platforms. They struck a deal to oversee all of the aspects of this, and as part of the agreement, Bally's will also benefit from Genius's exclusive data rights with the NFL, English Premier League, NASCAR, CFL, Liga MX, and Argentine and Colombian soccer. Bally's Interactive will be able to make use of Genius access to the NFL's real-time stats next-gen. Two companies will also collaborate on live streams to enhance Bally's betting experience for soccer matches in Argentina, Colombia, Iceland, and China, not to mention FIBA basketball games and volleyball contests. Genius has previously helped the NBA, American Hockey League, Drone Racing League with betting solutions, and the deal comes the same week after Bally's regional networks announced the impending launch of its subscription service on September 26, ahead of the NBA and NHL seasons. That's your Sports Tech Minute. How about the Gambling Minute, and where else should you go now, except for instead uh, going to one of the big battleground states, although it looks like the referendum may in fact pass, California. Two sports betting initiatives on the ballot. Campaigns for and against are spending massive amounts to sway voters. Props 26 and 27, $357 million spent. Remember, Prop 26 allows in-person gaming at casinos and racetracks and lets tribes add new games like roulette and craps to their facilities. And the Prop 27 allows bets online via computers or mobile phone apps long as tribes or companies partner with them, run the betting, and is backed entirely by the sports betting companies. Whatever it is, 
There's more money spent in that state than any look for approval soon to follow. How about the Good Sports 5? We continue to look at a number of issues, especially as we rebound from the pandemic and move into issues that continue to survive and thrive in the positive way that gambling and others always do. MLS extends EA Sports partnership beyond FIFA 23 and looks for opportunities for philanthropy as well. Adidas ends its partnership with Fernando Tatis Jr., violating MLB's Joint Drug Prevention and Treatment Program, costs him in more ways than one. And the bottom line is, here is an example of someone that has to re-earn everybody's trust. Texas Tech Athletics and Reliant Energy announces a multi-year partnership. CBS partners with Allen Media Group to elevate HBCU sports. HBCU Go, available through the CBS platforms. And several major brands, from Gatorade to Adidas, have recognized the brand value. Look for NIL to soon follow. And then finally, Jazz Ownership partners with private equity investor Arctos and looks to expand sports in Utah. The NBA's private equity rules allow a firm to buy into a max of five teams. And the bottom line is it is good for everybody if the uses are somewhat, in many cases, philanthropic. And that, of course, should be the case there in Utah. I'd like to thank Mike Raffensperger for giving us his expertise. I'd like to thank uh, Nick Nielsen for helping us put the show together. I'd like to thank others who maximize the distribution of the podcast for everybody that matters and for you that watch and listen. Join us next week when we go inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. Sports professor Rick Harrow, speak with you soon.